0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: It's a bye week for the Cowboys, but there is no sleep. For the Blog and the Boys podcast team. And we continue to bring it to you every Thursday here as we get riled up on the Cowboys, even in the bye week with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White. And as we typically like to do, Tom, you know, let's look at some questions that the Cowboys can potentially answer this week. They don't really have a lot of questions they can answer this week. Uh, they did answer a few questions that people had there at the trade deadline earlier this week when they politely kind of passed on the opportunity to acquire one Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver of the Houston Texans. As we found out today, Tom, it sounds like things hit a snag when the Texans were unwilling to take on any of his $18 million guaranteed next season. And quite honestly, I'm okay with that assessment by the Cowboys, and I'm okay with them stepping away from that deal if if that was going to be the Texans' bargaining
0: Yeah, uh, and it wasn't a surprise. This was one of the things that came up. As, as I have mentioned uh, in the article, we're actually looking at this from a couple of different angles. There's, there's a couple of things we still are looking to find out about the Cowboys, but I think if you look back over the first half of the season with a little bit of recency bias towards the uh, last couple of games, I think we've got some answers about this team that we can pretty much put in place. Uh, before we start looking at how they match up with individual teams. Right now, uh, you know, this is kind of a mid-season review since the bye has to fall between game eight and game nine, which is as close to halfway as you can get with a 17-game season. And I, this is a chance to kind of see where they they've gotten to. And, you know, we have to kind of start right off the bat with, wouldn't we have been – thrilled to know that this was guaranteed to be their record at the buy. uh, right after Dak Prescott left that first game and we found out he was not going to be back for a while.
1: Absolutely. We would have been yeah. jumping through hoops and I think Cowboys fans everywhere would agree. This is a miraculous place for them to be at the buy, considering really I would say where we were heading into week one right prior to the DAC injury, I think this is somewhat of a surprise to most Cowboys fans.
0: Yeah there were there were some other things that I think the answers have turned out rather well uh, you know but the the first thing that I that it seems to me has clearly been answered especially in light of the absolute on fire performance against the Chicago Bears Dak Prescott is the man. All all that nonsense clickbait stuff about Cooper Rush keeping the starting job once Dak came back has been proven to be the ludicrous concept that it always was. Uh I mean he was surgical. 9 for 11 on third down conversions. Uh you know, certainly the running game helped a lot, but you have to think that that was at least partly because the bears were finding out that Dak could complete passes almost at will. He only really had one bad pass when they kind of, you know, tried to roll the dice at the end of the first half. Other than that, that was just a near perfect game for him. And the receivers were hauling in the balls for him. Um, you know, he even overcame the fact that they were down uh, a wide receiver and Noah Brown, and the Cowboys countered by rolling with two and even three tight end formations, and that wasn't necessarily going to be a running play either, although they did run very effectively out of them, But he just showed that he was in complete command, and it's, it's fascinating to see, you know, Two wide receivers, three tight ends, and no running back on the field. <laughs> I mean, you know, then the, the other the other team native response was to occasionally bring CeeDee Lamb into the backfield. And then, you know, they did hand it off to him, I think, once, but mostly he would motion out, and you know, Dak was just slicing them up.
1: Well, it was clear that Dak was fully comfortable behind, back there this past weekend. And granted, I mean, we have to, I think, at least acknowledge that it was against the Chicago Bears, but at the same time, he was absolutely surgical. And from yours and my perspective, as we have been Dak advocates this entire time, it was quite uh, satisfying to see Dak throw that type of performance out there and really see the whole offense put that type of performance out there. As you mentioned, the creativity with the tight ends, what they could do in the absence of Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, I was also uh, very happy with the way that Dak Prescott just commanded things, right? You saw his footwork be much better in this game, but you also saw his mobility, right? Getting out there and scrambling for a touchdown with ease. So it was just exciting to see all around that Dak Prescott is fully back. And a fully-backed Dak Prescott maybe unlocks the answer to some of the questions we have as this season goes on.
0: Yeah, and and don't forget that almost hilarious one-yard quarterback sneak that turned into a 25-yard gain. It's just like he got the yard, looked around, nobody had tackled him. He saw a hole, and the Bears are like, what just happened? And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, you just had to laugh watching it go. You know, you felt almost sorry for Chicago, but not really. And I thought that was really good and tie into this, that, that covers not only the performance we saw against Chicago and Detroit the week before, but also the fact that they got through the five game stretch without Dak and managed to put up four wins. One of the big questions, and I mean, this question goes all the way back to February when they parted ways with Lael Collins and Connor Williams, party with two of their starters, was, was this offensive line going to manage to pull it together? Uh, it, it only got a partial answer when they took Tyler Smith in the first round. Uh, you still had to worry about how is this going to work out, and they didn't do anything to really address the depth until they were forced to when uh, Tyron Smith was injured and lost to injured reserve. And then they went out and got Jason Peters, who was first off coming along slowly, then he had his own setback, and now they're back to working him in and giving him a little bit more of the load each week. I think he was on in on 22% of the plays uh, against the Bears. And you just had to think, If there's going to be a a real collapse for the offense, it was going to focus around the offensive line. Instead, look what's happened. Tyler Smith has come in and shown us why the Cowboys really think he could be the long-term answer at left tackle because obviously Tyron Smith can't hang around a whole lot longer he keeps getting hurt there's gonna to have to come a point for too long that he's gonna to have to hang it up and when he does so i think he's gonna pretty much be a first ballot hall of famer because he has had an outstanding career he just his body is just kind of betraying him now and uh you know i i personally would like to see him make the decision sooner rather than later to, to, to protect his own health going forward. But look at the rest of the line. You know, Tyler Smith split out to a left tackle after not practicing there effectively at all uh, until uh, Tyron was hurt and has been – he hasn't been great. He's had his warts, but he's gotten the job done. Uh, Connor McGovern, who was being bumped in favor of Tyler Smith, who was going to switch to guard, has come back in and done a a solid job with a little assist from jason peters it seems to be growing it's like they're kind of looking at what they want to do uh downstream as they get a little bit further on and then of course tyron may be back before the end of the season that Excuse me. They're starting about start about the clock on when he starts getting ready to come back in. I think they definitely want to have him in for the playoffs and have him have a get a couple practices. It'll be interesting to see if he goes right back out to start or if they let him play a little depth and get his feet wet.
1: Yeah, I hope you're okay uh, with that. I personally like still am very much okay with Tyron Smith being out there and with a year still left on his contract at thirteen and a half million dollars like I am maybe okay with that even right if he's risking it but I do understand where you're coming from on a human level that you know ultimately you'd like to see him do it for what's best for him and his family right for his own body yeah for his own long-term sake and I can't disagree with that because football is a brutal game especially for offensive linemen so either way he goes I'll definitely be in full support of him but if he is able to return at some point this season. That's a pretty significant boost to again a unit that you mentioned has played over what many people thought I would say over its head, but at the same time, is it really, is this what this offensive line is actually capable of? It's definitely a question that needs to be considered.
0: Well, they always had Zach Mark who is just all pro level year after year after year. Um, Terrence Steele has has come in and pretty much proven that he is a starting caliber right tackle and is likely to be with the team for many years to come. So, you know, it looks like they've got the tackle spots nailed down for the future.
1: He's better barry. than last year's tackle. Yeah. Far. He's been better than what? Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, then there's the guy that I think is the unsung hero, and that's Tyler Biotish. Uh, he has graded out, I think I saw uh, earlier this week that uh, going into Monday Night Football, he graded out as the third best offensive lineman, not center, the third best offensive lineman, according to PFF. He is quietly protecting the middle, uh, helping open up roll, uh, helping open up holes for the running backs and not getting flagged he's just doing what looks to be a a really superior job i think and he deserves you know a lot of credit that a lot of people didn't have let's face it the Stephen jones was kind of hinting around that they wanted competition like maybe they wanted to replace him and you know i'm glad that's gone out of the way and i hope that uh, something works out well for uh for uh uh Tyler Biotish, you know, having all these multiple names on the line gets confusing. You have to stop I'm like, which one am I talking about? Okay. But yeah, I think they've done a really great job. And we saw against the, uh, the Bears, it wasn't just past protection. These guys know how to block some holes open. And that was a big part of how Tony Pollard managed to go out there and just have himself a day.
1: Oh, and we look at those units and how they performed right. And really, I mean, we're talking about the entire offense from top to bottom. And a lot of that goes back on the coaching staff. Kellen Moore created some situations for Dak Prescott to be successful in that game, as was pointed out by ESPN's Dan Orlovsky, right? He put up a nice tweet, kind of illustrating one of the concepts that uh, Kellen Moore used to get Dak Prescott, a wide open touchdown across the middle of the field. And Dak Prescott executed it to perfection. We talked about the offensive line and how much credit Joe Philbin deserves. Um, Because quite frankly, he seems to have coached up a group that are all playing potentially better than what many of us thought on paper that they were capable of. So as we sit here now, right, I guess that kind of tells us any questions about the coaching staff have pretty much been answered.
0: Yeah, and that... I, another thing that we look back at the beginning of the season, everybody was talking about Mike McCarthy was a favorite to be the first coach fired. Yeah, Can, can we just realize how stupid that was now? Uh, I know a lot of people weren't happy with him, but he did a good job last year and he's done a really great job this year. I mean, he was partly responsible for them getting through the Cooper rush period Uh, If you recall, I think it was after the first or second game, he said he was going to get more involved in the offensive meetings. And I think he's come in and kind of given Kellen Moore some guidance on what he should do, and it has paid off both in getting through the rush thing and in just the offensive explosion that we've seen from about the second half of the Lions game on.
1: Okay. Uh, on that point, though, right on that point, doesn't Dan Quinn deserve the most credit for really stabilizing everything? Because if his unit wasn't playing up to the level that it is playing at, quite frankly, Mike McCarthy's Cooper Rush offense would not have been good enough to win a lot of football games. But because of how exceptional the defense has been. They have been.
0: Yeah, and again, you don't forget that Mike McCarthy, after he realized the mistake he made with Mike Nolan, he hired Dan Quinn.
1: True. So he
0: gets at least a little bit of the credit there. But Dan Quinn, you remember – Dan Quinn supposedly turned down offers from teams uh, or at least to go interview for head coaching jobs because he wanted to stay another year in Dallas. I mean, I hope he stays more than that, but I don't think it's going to happen. If he was on the radar last spring, Lord of mercy. You know teams are looking at what he's doing with his mm-hmm. defense and just kind of salivating at the idea of getting him in if they've got problems and they think they need to, to look at their defense. Meanwhile, Kellen Moore has kind of reinserted himself back into that head coach-candidate conversation. Uh, Dan Orlovsky just salivated, just grueled all over Kellen Moore's job against the Bears. And I think a lot of people are going to start noticing that. that If they want an offensive-minded head coach, they may turn to him. Heck, some teams might even want to consider at least sitting down with John Fossil because the special teams have been pretty much lights out. I mean, they've been, you know, penetrating, uh, has a block or two, uh, you know. They're, they're, the thing that I love is that the Cowboys have brought in Kevontae Turpin, he's had some nice returns, and you're not seeing the flags. You almost always see big returns get called back, or even decent returns. Cowboys are just not doing that very much, and I have to think that Fossil has a lot to do with this.
1: Can I ask you this about Mike McCarthy though? Right. Cause I agree. And I was one who said like, it could be a very quick ax for Mike McCarthy, but right. As I stand here and admit that the Cowboys have performed exceptionally well under his guidance at the same time, if you told me that Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore were both going to be gone next season, I don't know if I'd prefer Mike McCarthy stay and Dan Quinn go. And that's where I still say that despite how well the Cowboys have performed, despite how good they might look going into the playoffs without that playoff success, Mike McCarthy and his job is not safe just because they've started six and two. It won't be safe if they finish 13 and four, in my opinion, because even still, Again, based on what we've seen, that'll mean that Dan Quinn and the defense will have continued to perform exceptionally well. And that means that he's likely going to be on his way out next season unless he's given something bigger. Now, at the same time, like as an honorable man, I guess, Dan Quinn, I don't think he would accept the job if Mike McCarthy was going to get fired. So there's that that added element there that I'm not necessarily sure how it would play out. And might ultimately keep the band together. I guess I can acknowledge that Jerry Jones can whip out his pocket pocketbook, money whip Dan Quinn to death, and keep him as an assistant coach. I just don't necessarily see that happening. And Tom, like forgive me, but I would rather have Dan Quinn over Mike McCarthy.
0: I guess we're just gonna have to agree to disagree because I think that McCarthy has earned a chance to at least see what it can do. And if Quinn goes on, I would not be surprised if they didn't try to promote from within with somebody who would agree to try to keep the, Mc- the, the Quinn approach and scheme pretty much intact. Uh, you know, it, I just I just can't see. I just don't think that's the way you do business. You don't take a guy who brought your team great success, uh, especially if they get anywhere in the playoffs. You don't replace him. That's just not the way to go about it because then who, how is anybody else you hire going to feel comfortable in your, in the job? Mm. So I, I just, I, I, I I, can't, I hear what you're saying. I just don't think that the way this is going to shake out.
1: I love it, Tom. I love that we have something that we're like staunchly in opposition of and we can continue to see it play out right now. I, I am trailing big time. Tom is lapping me right now with his defense of Mike McCarthy. So perhaps I am hanging by a thread if that, um, but you know, it's a thread I'll I'll hold on to until the season is over as we find out where we go. But for right now, without a doubt, Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys coaching staff has, have answered every single question that could have been asked to them up to this point.
0: Yeah. But now we get to a question and I think that's uh that really comes down to is Stephen Jones's way finally going to succeed? because oh. oh, let's face it we saw just over the trade deadline that he's not going to come off his way of doing business. You saw Philadelphia, Buffalo. Um, you know, Miami, even the 49ers, the Vikings, they all went out and made some kind of splash acquisitions. And all we really got is, you know, they signed Jonathan Hankins or they traded for Jonathan Hankins uh, a week or so before the deadline. Now Hankins was a very good uh, acquisition, but he's another of the Jones bargain bin uh, players. He didn't cost much. He's not a big hit on the cap. Uh, He he came in, and there was a notable difference in how good the run defense was when he was on the field versus when he was off the field. Uh, But what has happened, you know, last year we saw uh, Stephen went and did his normal, you know, shopping on the, the, the remainder's aisle and wound up putting together the best safety room we've seen in the in dallas in a long long time uh, and you know Jaron ron curse and malik hooker uh malik hooker rather are are still key parts of the defense this year what do you go out with dante, what do you go out and do donnie fowler's dante fowler signed on a very inexpensive deal and the guy was on fire against the Bears. He's been a, 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 a very solid part of the defensive line rotation. Uh, got Cavante Turpin out of nowhere, who's now probably the most feared punt returner in the league. You know, uh, peep, Everybody's just waiting for him to finally break one. Picked up Jason Peters, which has turned out to, to be a good move, it looks like. It looks like Peters is going to be a value to the team. And, and then brought back in Brett Maher, you know, all of those have been important contributors to the team. So what's happening is even though we have some real criticism about what Jones does and more importantly, what he doesn't do, all he's getting is positive reinforcement. All he's getting is reasons to convince himself that he's still the smartest guy in the room. And, you know, I'm, I worry and worry that this is going to eventually come back and bite Dallas in the butt. I am just hoping it isn't this year because I think they are sitting in a position where they could make some real noise for a couple of reasons. And one of the reasons is simply that we all hope. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I wanted to say like the Steven Jones stuff, you just mentioned the bargain the bargain bin players that they picked up, but let's not forget all the offseason moves. They opted, now granted, right, they kind of did what they did with this Brandon Cooks deal where they played hardball and they didn't ultimately wind up with Randy Gregory and then they spun it that they didn't want Randy Gregory to begin with. But hey, Dorrance Armstrong and the like have proven to be probably better than what Randy Gregory has done, albeit this season with the Denver Broncos. Same thing with Lyle Collins. We talked about that as they were willing to let him move on and not pay him that type of money. Connor McGovern, Cedric Wilson, they were okay with them all taking the walk. And they found a way to make it work for themselves. And then, of course, you know, we look back at the draft and quite frankly, right, the fact that they may have found two tight ends in that draft that they can deploy on a regular basis, in addition to the offensive linemen that they added, in addition to – The young player in Deron Bland, who we're going to talk about here in a second, is a part of a defensive unit that looks spectacular. Like, I, again, (laughs) being on the opposite side of the Steven Jones fan club, I have to admit that he's kind of running laps. He's kind of taking victory laps.
0: And first of all, let me say I will not tolerate the Sam Williams disrespect because mm. he's certainly part of the the rookie class that has come in and started to make some noise. Uh, his is a case, I think, of where uh, at first people worried about him living up to expectations. It just took him a few games to start getting into the flow of things. And now, I mean, who wants to face that? that pass rush rotation that Cowboys throw at Mm them because, you know, there's like six, seven guys that have to kind of scare the quarterback. Uh, So, you know, my big concern, and it's a question that I don't know really how you answer, how much of this is skill is Steven Jones getting with the scouting staff and the coaches and figuring out what they've got versus what they need. And how much of it is just pure dumb luck? Luck is a big thing in the NFL, more so on the field because it's a funny-shaped ball and odd things happen. But in personnel acquisition, too, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you sign an absolutely stellar all-pro caliber player and he winds up getting hurt or he suddenly falls off a cliff and you just don't know that. So we'll just have to see what it's going to hold for.
1: Well, one thing about that, too, I mean, you also have to ask yourself, what type of competition have the Cowboys played thus far? They are, granted, and it's well earned. But as we review the season, right, and the teams that they've played and played close or beaten handily, right, none of them really jump out as excellent. And they're certainly not amongst the top tier of contenders in the NFL right now, because that tier seems to kind of consist of about three teams.
0: Yeah, that is, that is the big question. That's the thing that we're going to have to find out the answer to. And it's only going to be answered on the field over the final nine games and then hopefully into the playoffs for more than one game. This is a weird year and the NFL doesn't have very many strong teams. Uh, there's only 12 teams out of 32 that have a winning record. There's a bunch of guys mired it, at 500, and more than that are, are sitting with losing records. Uh, there's, there's only uh, two teams in the NFC, which is what matters for Dallas the most, that have a better record than Dallas does which would say to you that the Cowboys are in the elite, the question is, does elite mean as much this year? Because the, the level of mediocrity is just, I don't know, it's almost alarming, especially if you're the league trying to get people to, to, to put their eyeballs on your games. Uh, you know, and now you look at the, the rest of the schedule and it's, as you said, it's not real intimidating, They've got the rematch with the Eagles coming up, uh, which I'm dying to see how they do with Dak Prescott rather than Cooper Rush because Rush kind of hang in, got him, kept him in there in that game. They had kind of hung in, partly because you know their defense was also trying to stop them as best they could. Um, mm-hmm. uh, then you got the Minnesota Vikings, the only other team in the NFC that has a better record than the Cowboys. They're at seven and one, I think. And uh I'm not scared of the Vikings. I think the Cowboys can probably do something against them. Uh, Everything else, I guess the most you can say is maybe there's a trap game out there. Uh, They've beaten the Giants with Rush, so you'd think they wouldn't have a problem there in the rematch. Uh, The old nemesis, the Green Bay Packers, they just don't look like the Packers. You always worry about Aaron Rodgers, who sometimes seems to just find absolute magic against Dallas. But this year is one year I don't think that's going to happen. And the only other team that has a decent record are the Tennessee Titans. And they're having all kinds of issues at quarterback, uh, or at least they have during the season.
1: Well, it's just hard to see any team being that dynamic and in the elite when you can't throw the ball with consistency. Mm-hmm. And the Titans don't appear to be that type of team, right? They don't have the quarterback talent for it. Granted, they have a you know excellent running back, but they are not in that group. You know, the Vikings, I kind of think, are in that same boat. And like you said, the Cowboys will have an opportunity to to test their medal against them here in a couple of weeks, right after they face the Packers. Two big, you know, away games for the Cowboys coming up out of the bye that can kind of establish their dominance against the rest of the NFC. Now, is it possible to catch the Philadelphia Eagles at this point? You might need a little help. You're obviously going to need some at some point, but you know, it's possible. Crazier things have happened
0: and the Cowboys can
1: find themselves in that place because most of the elite teams are in the AFC.
0: Yeah. And it, they do have a real problem in the fact that the Eagles may face an even softer schedule going forward. Yeah. They've already gotten through the Vikings. So I don't know who else on the Eagles thing. I, I, I was looking at the Thursday night matchup between the Eagles and the Houston Texans. And, you know, every week we give a prediction among some of the writers as to what we think is going to happen on Thursday night football. And my response was, is this even a serious question?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I mean, if, if that would be an upset upset for the ages. And I don't think this is the age for it.
1: Yeah. That's a 14 point spread there. <laughs> Thursday night football, So,
0: and you might want to take the, uh, the, uh,
1: one of them, might want to most people are still taking the Eagles and the points. That's for sure. At least the public seems to be leaning that way, but you know, that's a question that the Cowboys still have to answer and they'll have to answer it as the season goes on. The defense is obviously elite. It's everything that we hope for. And then some, and we got to give kudos all around, not only to the coaching staff, but to Steven Jones for assembling it for Dan Quinn, for deploying it and, to Micah Parsons for leading it, because thank you God. <laughs> yeah, the thank you yeah, God for Micah deep, Parsons.
0: Yeah, the defense is. I, you can make an argument that this may be the best defense in the league, uh, maybe the most talented, uh, maybe the deepest. I, I don't know I, how, how you, how many, you know, how how much you can praise them. But they have just done remarkable things. You know, they're they're leading in sacks by a group. I think they've got a five or seven uh, sack lead, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, and they're third in points for game allowed, even after the Bears finally, you know, managed to put some touchdowns up against them, which the teams have been struggling with. Uh, and they're tied for second turnover margin. Of course, the Eagles are leading that by a big gap. So, you know, that yeah, that that Christmas game with the Eagles is looking more and more interesting. But we don't want to look too far ahead.
1: So. Well, I, I did want to circle back because it was the news of the week uh, about the Brandon Cooks deal with you. And just get your thoughts. Like, that maybe is the one area, right, after we've detailed everything. Right, about how well everything has come together. The quarterback looks great. We've got plenty of options at tight end. The running backs have everything we could possibly want, and then some. The offensive line is producing at a level above what many of us anticipated they would. The defense is playing better than anybody could have expected, right? And with the names that are performing, they're performing well at, at really every position. So, could the Cowboys be held back ultimately? By the fact that they did not go out and add a talented wide receiver to their group. Are they going to regret it, Tom?
0: That's the biggest risk I think they face right now. Uh, You know, they seem to be betting on Noah Brown coming back and being healthy and James Washington rolling in and being something, uh, maybe on Jalen Tolbert finally becoming a part of the offense. You know, and I said that we worry – I worry about this approach coming back to bite them in the butt, and this is the one area where I think there's a, a significant risk of that. Uh, and it's, it's mostly centered around the fact that, you know, we saw them have to figure out how to play with only two functioning wide receivers this week. And I don't think they can keep doing that against some of the teams. There are teams I think they can beat. Remember, they got the Texans coming up. You know, uh, I don't think they need to worry too much about that, but how do they solve the problems? Uh, Do they have to get creative? Uh, They certainly showed an ability to use tight ends. Uh, You know, maybe they could, instead of uh, focusing on Tony Pollard rushing the ball, he could play some snaps out there as a split in uh, a split in or slot receiver or something like that. So, you know, I don't know. I think that is like I said, that is the, the pitfall. I'm not too sure they've managed to negotiate and that's going to be one we have to just watch as we go forward.
1: Yeah. Well, it'll be one Cowboys fans will be keeping an eye on because if, We think they're in the position that they're in, right? Potentially amongst the elite, certainly in an advantageous position being in the NFC, when so many great teams and great quarterbacks are in the AFC, the path seems to be get through Philadelphia and you're in. Well, it's going to be real unfortunate if the Cowboys lack the firepower when they need it to keep up with the teams that they'll need to to get to that point right and ultimately win it all because i think that is the goal but shoot the way we are these days and the way it's been for the past 25 years i think we'd all probably take just a, a decent run to an nfc championship game
0: yeah I, well it would be progress definitely would be progress <laughs> and it's it's going it's, it's going to see how they play it down the stretch because with the way the lead the Cowboys have right now for at least locking up a wild card spot, uh, and maybe locking up the top wild card spot, so they play the number four seed. Will they start slacking off at the end? Will they focus on resting players to keep them healthy for January? It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, it's it's we're gonna have a lot to talk about, I think, one way or another.
1: Well, the next time we do this, Tom, we'll be looking at Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and hopefully the Cowboys can exercise some demons against them. Of course, they will have questions to answer in that matchup, and we will assess some of those questions and their ability to do so. But for Tom, I'm Roy. Y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys even through the bye week, and we will see you next Thursday.